This is Tech Talk Up One, episode 294. Congratulations, you have negative 1,000 subscribers. Welcome to Tech Talk with Buona. This technology podcast covers tech news and reviews for the entire week. And now here's your host, me, Buona McCall. Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 294 of Tech Talk with Buona. We got a great show lined up for you. Six stories to talk about the latest tech news for the entire week. This podcast covers that stuff and then some. We talk about the latest news. I give you my take on it and we just discuss it. You guys discuss stuff in the comments and, you know, that kind of thing happens here at castadaytwitch.tv slash Buona, youtube.com slash Buona, twitter.com slash Buona. So I want to thank everybody for coming by listening today. We're up on soundcloud.com slash Buona TV as well if you want to check out the audio format. And today we got some stuff uh, related to, I don't know, um, battery stuff with Samsung again. Uh, YouTube is in the news big time, and we got some Google Chrome, Windows 10 topics to talk about as well. Uh, it should be a pretty fun show. Uh, I'm, I don't think it's going to go over the allotted 30 minutes to an hour time frame. If it does, I'll, I'll blame some random object. We got a great show lined up for you, episode 294 of Tech Talk with Buona. our first story we're going to talk about youtube youtube is in the news because of a massive glitch that's going on amongst all the different youtube channels out there big and small apparently there is a youtube glitch that will reduce the amount of subscriber counts that is shown on your channel people have reported that they've seen negative sub counts as a result this is a a, a big issue because subscription numbers are everything when it comes to a YouTube channel, uh, this is how you as a content provider can provide your statistics to potential sponsors or anybody you want to get some money from. When uh, you're trying to produce a YouTube channel or doing some stuff to make a living, that's everything. So your subscriber count is golden. So YouTube has responded to this, uh, apparently. They said that, that we're aware no subs or data is lost. It's an issue with how sub count is is how the sub count number is being displayed. We're working on fixing it. Hmm. So I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know if I can believe that. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a problem with how the sub count number is displayed. Now in my, my experience with, you know, brief experience with software development and stuff. It's, I, I don't know how you're going to, display a number differently than what's actually been written to the database. Um, but I don't know how this could possibly be wrong. Maybe they got some other stuff going on. Maybe there's some architecture things that I don't know about. I'm not a, a true software developer. I've only dabbled in and out of it, been mostly on the testing and validation side of things. But uh, let's just hope that the actual subscriber, subscriber counts haven't been affected because I think YouTube would have to do a... a would have to do a backup restore or some sort of a, a rollback, which could be a big, big problem, um, especially from a image standpoint and reliability standpoint. I mean, what uh, if, if you like I said, if you think about the YouTube creator out there, their biggest, biggest, biggest number on their channel is subscriber count. I mean, there's a lot of other things that you can present, you know, 
subscriber loss, all the different stuff, all the metrics that you can see, uh, the demographics and everything that you can provide to potential uh, to potential uh, sponsors and whatnot. But the subscriber number is what the first thing people look at when they're looking at your channel from that perspective. Um, so let's hope that this actually is a visual bug with how the number is displayed. I don't buy that, <laughs> but let's just hope it's as simple as that. I don't buy that. I think there's something else going on here that uh, YouTube is not telling us. Now, the problem stems from when you unsubscribe from a channel, it counts it as two unsubscriptions instead of one. Um, so in essence, you get a net gain of negative two instead of negative one, which I think is what's happening with uh, some of these channels that are showing negative subscriptions. So check this story out, guys. I got it from socialblade.com, but it's all over the web. YouTube is in the under fire, man. They're in a little bit of trouble. They're under fire about the subscription count and what's going on. What is actually happening with YouTube? Are the subscriber numbers actually declining? Or is it just a visual glitch as they describe on Twitter? Check it out, guys. And for our next story, we're going to continue to talk about YouTube. They're introducing a new feature over at YouTube to combat the likes of Facebook Live. YouTube is now allowing anyone with 10,000 or more subscriptions to stream live from your mobile device. They're gonna be rolling out this live streaming uh, feature over the next few days and definitely to compete with Facebook Live because Facebook Live has definitely come out of nowhere and um, tons and tons and I, I guess we wanna say hundreds of thousands of people are using it all the time. Um, they're also going to launch in conjunction with this mobile streaming effort feature called super chat, which allows, uh, individuals to highlight their messages for a fee, uh, kind of similar to what you see, uh, some of the features on Twitch, uh, which you can do cheers and your message is highlighted and kind of stands out. Um, uh, the same is going to be true where in super chat, it's like paying for a front row seat in the digital age is what YouTube is calling it. Essentially you pay some money and your message stands out. This is a common thing in live streaming, kind of a from, from a content provider perspective. You know, I don't like to see trends like this. I don't like I mean, I see it on Twitch all the time. I'm going to go on. This is a tangent. This is officially a tangent. I don't like to see when when individuals have to pay money to get the attention of a live streamer, because I'm, I'm from the the OG golden age of when you talk to pretty much everybody in your chat. Um, that is worth talking to, you know, you got trolls and whatnot, but still, you know, you shouldn't have to donate. I mean, you see this all the time on Twitch. People donate in a tip just to get the streamer to watch a video, to read a message, to ask them a question. That to me is, I know, I know streamers are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on this stuff. But that to me is so petty. I, I can't, if my channel ever comes to that, I don't think I'd feel, I don't, I don't know how to be able to look at myself in the mirror. I don't want my channel. I, I don't even like to see anybody's channel that I like devolve into that. And I've seen a lot of bigger, a lot of bigger Twitch channels turn into that. So this super chat feature of YouTube is kind of leading credence and trying to, you know, give life to that kind of feature, which I think is not good for the industry. Um, it's a very, very petty way of getting the attention of someone. It's like, you know, like you, you put a quarter in the machine. Go, Can I ask a question? Put a quarter in the machine. Can I ask a question? You know, it's just like, 
it's a nickel and diming technique. But it's not something that I saw like when I saw the stuff like materialize on on Twitch. It's not something that I I I, I saw the the streamer actually promote or actually encourage. It just kind of happened. People noticed that the streamer would read all the tip messages and they just said, okay, that's how I get their attention. Instead of just talking to them in chat, mentioning their name, like I always tell people in my chat, and I know a lot of other streamers do as well, just mention my name in the chat. It'll highlight it. I'll, I'll answer your question. I'll look at what you're saying, unless you're saying something that doesn't require an answer. Um, it, you shouldn't have to give me a tip to, to ask a question. That's, that's so crazy. Anyway, this super chat feature that, that YouTube is going to uh, um, roll out kind of going to, I think it's going to amplify that. And I, I don't want to see that happen. But the good news is that mobile streaming is making a comeback. It came about way back when I started streaming, 2005, 6, 7 ish. You know, we had some mobile streaming kind of ideas. And I think some of the mobile streaming apps uh, that were developed on the early iPhones and the early Android devices, you know, promoted live streaming right from the device. But it kind of died out. And now it's kind of making a comeback again. Even Twitch is talking about doing mobile streaming coming later this year and following the curtails of YouTube and Facebook. So we're seeing a lot of bigger, bigger platforms uh, come about with live streaming uh, from your mobile device. I, I got to say, it's kind of been a long time coming. I wonder why it's taken this long, honestly. The, 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 data, the data transfer rates are there. They've been there for years. Uh, the infrastructure's there. The technology's there. I, I, I don't know. I guess the demand wasn't, and I, I guess people are seeing the demand for it now. Apps like Periscope that uh, that Twitter bought were they were pioneers in this area. They really promoted live streaming from the mobile device, and even even um, Livestream.com was a big proponent of streaming from your iPad, iPhone, iOS devices directly. I know this because I recently delved back into this world when Pokemon Go was a thing, and I was trying to trying to stream my Pokemon Go live efforts as I moved around from a mobile device, and it was not fun. And uh, oddly enough, the easiest solution out there was YouTube gaming, where you can stream a game live from your phone. So naturally, YouTube live streaming from your mobile phone on your camera is going to be the next step for YouTube. Check it out, guys. Over on Reuters.com, they got the announcement. YouTube announced it on their blog. Live streaming, mobile live streaming is coming to YouTube, as well as a super chat feature, which allows users to amplify their messages via the monies. Check it out, guys. And for our next story, we're going to talk about the idea of spying TVs. Your TV is now spying on you. These smart TVs are smarter than you may think. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission, a.k.a. the FTC, on Monday said that Vizio, the makers of some wondrous smart TVs, has agreed to pay a $2.2 million settlement charge that it installed software on its TVs to collect viewing data on 11 million TVs without consumers knowledge or consent 1.5 million that will go to the ftc while 1 million will go to the new jersey division of consumer affairs what what I, I, okay let's just we'll get back to that so apparently these smart tvs were sending data um even when they were turned off now smart tvs are connected to the internet in case you didn't know um and uh they they give us things like netflix and smart apps and be able to, to update firmware over the internet, all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, this particular case, I mean, this is something that happens with Samsung and LG as well. Um, 
these programs, they send what the data that you're watching back to the company and they sell that data to third party providers. Now, this is a common practice, sadly. And the thing is, is that you're supposed to be told this. You're supposed to be able to be, you know, you're supposed to be told this and you're supposed to agree to it before you're using the phones. Same thing you do with Facebook. Facebook makes you agree to take your data and make banana cream pie with it if you want. And you have to do that if you use Facebook. You agree to that. Uh, but this goes without this. This happened without consumer consent. Nobody knew this would happen. Now, the thing that gets me about this is that not only was it the data that you watch, I can kind of see them sending, you know, what you're watching, you know, kind of like Nielsen ratings and stuff, but like in the 2017 realm. But what they were sending were your sex, age, income, marital status, household size, education level, home ownership, and household value. They were collecting all of that data and selling it to third party providers for who knows how much for who knows how much they were selling this data for. And you gotta know, I mean, if you got any kind of sense, any kind of common sense that they probably made a lot more than this 2.2 million fine. I imagine 2.2 million was made probably in a couple of weeks. Um, and it's kind of laughable that this settlement was only 2.2 million. And the breakout was that 1.5 went to the 1.5 went to the FTC and the other million went to New Jersey. Okay. So all the people that were affected, they get nothing. You get nothing. Um, it's not even about a payout. It's more about these. I think, I think Vizio should be held. I think it should be held accountable for this. This is a, this is not even a slap on the wrist. This is more like a light tap on the fingernail. Like don't do it again. Don't, don't do it again. It's a light tap on the fingernail. Um, and it's, uh, I, I gotta say it, it's really, it, it's disgusting. Now there were several reasons why I wanted a smart TV and several reasons why I did not. And, um, one of the reasons why I didn't want a smart TV was that it was always connected. I didn't want to always connected television. Now I've got always connected devices all over my house. Didn't want my TV to be one of them. And uh, I want my TV to remain offline for my own reasons. And I, I mean, if your TV was offline, this, this stuff would, it would be impossible to happen. It just wouldn't happen. I know a lot of people are living by today's standards. This is the year of 2017. These people say, if you don't want your data out there, you shouldn't be using devices connected to the internet or even using the internet. Well, I'm not going to completely dismiss my privacy without my consent by using a device. So you can take that point on this story and just punt it. You can just punt that one. They did this without telling anybody, uh, which is a huge no, no. And against many, many consumer protection laws all over the world. Um, but it just goes to show how much these companies are willing to take. If you give them an inch, they will take miles and kilometers. If you will, you guys are on the metric system, they will take so much more and then some, and they make a ton of money, a ton of money on this information. Now they've been, they've been told to delete this data that they collected before March 1st, 2016 and implement a comprehensive data privacy program 
and biennial, as, biennial asset assessments of its program. Slap on the wrist. So, I don't know, guys. If you have a smart TV, you might want to reconsider. Uh, you might want to reconsider which company you're getting, getting it from. Make sure that they disclose this information. Try to find out what information they got on you. Because if I buy a TV, if I buy a TV, even a smart TV, I mean, I got a decent amount of common sense, but I don't think my TV is going to send back my sex, age, income, marital status, household size, education level, home ownership, and household value back to the company that I bought the TV from. I mean, I got some common sense, but that's just a little bit much of information to gather. Now, they, they actually gleaned this information based on the IP addresses that were returned back to them. The TV didn't collect this information. This stuff was data mined. They would they took a step, they took it a step further and data mined this information based on your IP address and who who knows what else. So again, if you if you just gotta get a smart TV, if you just gotta have one, you just gotta buy a smart TV, make sure you know what you're giving up. Okay. They're not you don't have to have a smart TV. I mean, there's devices like you know, Chromecast, which you know has its own data privacy issues. Um there's Amazon Fire Stick. There's a, um, I can't remember all the names of them. There's a bunch of Apple TV. A bunch of people make these devices where you can buy a separate device that's always connected. That's probably sending data as well, but it's not your TV. You can turn on your TV and you don't have to worry about your TV doing that. So check this story out, guys. Over on CNET.com, they got the details about how Vizio has been forced to pay $2.2 million, but the consumers are getting none of that. And it's a, it's a laughably small price to pay for such a huge, huge violation. Check it out on CNET.com. They got the details over there. And for our next story, we're going to talk about Samsung. And I'm going to try, try, to, try not to laugh. I'm not going to laugh. <coughs> That's a cough, not laugh. Samsung has had a yet another battery snafu. As if it couldn't get any worse. This was a little bit you know, less severe than the other things. But apparently a factory in China had a portion of their factory, a small factory fire occurred and it was due to batteries and it was due to faulty batteries, which were disposed of. So that's the, that's the silver lining in this article. But I mean, from a PR standpoint and just looking at Samsung from the outside in, I mean, you just, they just getting beat up, man. It's just batteries blowing up, washing machines blowing up. It's, it's everywhere and catching fire. So this is a company affiliate, uh, battery plant. And, uh, again, it was a minor fire. It was caused by waste products containing faulty batteries. It's been extinguished and there was no injuries reported. Um, so it's, that's the good news. The bad news again, Samsung doesn't need this. They just had that really, really big presentation, really well thought out, infographic which showed all the problems and why their batteries were you know the samsung galaxy note 7s why the batteries were faulty i understood it I, I don't know anything about batteries but i understood it it was easy to read easy to digest they probably invested a lot of money into doing that and right after that happened this happens factory catches on fire because of batteries you just can't make this stuff up man it's almost like if you look at it i, I could make a hollywood movie off of this and just say it was like some some evil 
ex-employee of Samsung sabotaging the sabotaging the, the company because he got he got laid off or something. He's like, I'll show you. I'll sabotage your batteries. I'll sabotage your other batteries. I'll make your washing machines catch on fire. And I'll also make your factories catch on fire. <laughs> uh, I'll make millions, even thousands of dollars with such a movie. But it just it just seems so it just seems so wow. It's like the perfect storm against Samsung that's going on right now. Um, I don't believe in coincidences, so I, I'm definitely putting on my tinfoil hat and just, you know, looking at this and going, what in the world is going on at Samsung? But anyway, guys, check this story out over on PCGamer.com. Samsung just can't buy a brick. They can't buy a brick. The battery factory caught on fire in China. Small fire limited to limited to the um, to the waste area where they had defective batteries, but still. It was a fire, nonetheless. And it is on PCGamer.com. You can read the story over there. And for our next story, we're going to talk about Google Chrome. And uh, kind of a troubling uh, thing that's coming out uh, out of the Google camp. Chrome, the latest version of Chrome, is going to permanently enable an extension related to DRM. Uh, this is uh, an extension called the EME, or the Encrypted Media Extensions um, plugin. It's a DRM plugin for Chrome. And it's going to be permanently enabled. And this particular uh, plugin was developed such that people like Netflix, Google, and Microsoft can produce and send to you DRM content without some, some elaborate third-party program that you need to install. Who remembers Silverlight? I remember Silverlight. You had to install Silverlight a long time ago uh, to watch a lot of DRM content, namely from Netflix and other people. And EME was that it is it was a it was a plugin designed to help with that. Now this may sound like a not not you know doesn't sound like a terrible thing. It's like okay, I watch Netflix. Why is this a bad thing? Well, EME is a proprietary plugin that you really can't inspect. So security experts can't go in and and inspect what's going on and actually look at what's under the hood. And this. This is a kind of a perspective of security exploits. Uh, if there's any type of other plugins out there, you can probably investigate them and look for security exploits and try to patch them or you know submit things back to Microsoft Google to get them fixed. When it comes to this thing, if there's any kind of security hole, which we've seen a lot of them in Flash, if there's any kind of security exploit in this EME, the nature of it being a DRM plugin means that you can't do anything about it and Probably it'll be going on for many, many weeks without anybody even know about it. So malicious hackers definitely could take advantage of it. But the thing that is probably going to be more troubling is that if you're on an operating system that doesn't support this particular plugin, if you're not uh, using something by Microsoft, if you're not anything by Google, if you're not using anything from, I don't know, anybody else that may be producing this that has an OS, if you're on Linux per se, these particular DRM extensions may fail. And given that it's always on and you can't disable it, uh, may provide a problem, not only for people who are on operating systems that don't want to use it, but people who are on operating systems that do want to use something else. Because there's likely going to be a conflict if you can't disable this particular DRM and this extension if you're on Linux. I imagine that people on Linux who want to watch and use Netflix may have a little bit of an issue with this. Um, 
Also, some changes to the latest Chrome is going to be that the PDF reader and native client won't be able to be disabled either. So you're going to be stuck with those as well. Um, so this is all bad. There's nothing good in this. Uh, I don't think there's anything good in this. Uh, the fact that they're taking out the option to remove it is kind of troubling. And this is they got the reasoning in here. Um, let's see if I can find it in an article. I remember reading it. They said that there were some issues with people having uh, some some technical problems with it when they disabled it and it was causing crashes. Uh, I can't find the exact quote in the article, but it's, it's something to do with that, that it was causing crashes when people disabled it. So I guess their fix was is to enable it all the time so people would stop crashing. Anyway, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea because I think I know a lot of people who use Linux and other operating systems outside of Windows and you know Microsoft and, and you know Chrome OS. Um, and if you're going to be paying for something as 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 I'm using Netflix as an example because it's probably the most commonly known application that's going to make use of this. If you're paying for Netflix, you shouldn't be tied to an OS. Um, it's just it's not really a law. It's not really a a mandate. It's just one of those things that I think is good business practice. You really shouldn't be tied to an OS if you want to use Netflix. Um, I know there's mobile solutions out there again, um, but I don't. I don't think you should put this on the on the on the um, on the onus of Netflix to make it available via your OS if you don't have this extension enabled. Because what people can do is that they can write their own extensions, especially in open source markets, to work with Netflix on off different operating systems. Now. I, I, I'm personally not going to be affected by this. This is something that's not going to affect me because I use Windows and I, I don't use Chrome OS, but I primarily use Windows on everything. I have an Android phone. I have an iOS uh, tablet. So I'm going to be able to continue to watch Netflix or whatever, uh, even if they do this on Chrome. But this article makes a good point that maybe this is an opportunity for Firefox to make a resurgence. Firefox has kind of fell in the shadows. Um, the, the true and faithful are still sticking to Firefox, but it is falling behind on standards. It's, it's not as, it's not the darling it used to be. Remember we used to make fun of IE and Firefox was so fast and so, so reliable and IE was so terrible, but now it's like, that's not the case anymore. Firefox is like not that child prodigy that it used to be. Um, Chrome is Chrome is what everybody talks about. This is probably one of the more dominant browsers out there. Google Chrome is used by a lot of people, um, but Firefox may want to take a stance here and maybe you know separate themselves from this and say, "Hey, we're going to support. We're going to support not you know, not only we're going to support this EME, but we'll give you other options as well." That may cause some people to switch, uh, especially if they're on a different operating system. So check the story out, guys, over on Tom's Hardware. They got the details about chrome 57 the latest version of chrome that's coming out it's going to permanently enable drm is it going to affect you we'll see and for our final story we're going to talk about windows 10 and their latest and greatest insider preview build uh we've been talking about this build for quite some time because they have this new game mode that's been affecting a lot of gamers out there where it's going to allow you to utilize a lot of the resources on your computer towards games it's going to mix a lot of things uh, a little bit lower priority uh so that your games can perform a little bit better. But one of, these, one of these features here that I just didn't know was coming, which I'm going to actually be able to use, is called a picture-in-picture -picture or a compact 
overlay mode. Now this is something that I use on my on my mobile devices, on my Android device, and on my iOS device all the time. What it allows you to do is when you bring up a video, you can switch to another app and it will just make a little picture in picture version of your video while you're working. Now Mac OS 10 had this built in with iTunes and like Apple TV features for I think a long time. Uh, <coughs> and like I said, the, the Android device and iOS devices also have supported this and I've used it quite a bit. For example, I go to a Twist channel and I don't want to read the Twist chat. I'll just talk to my Discord channel while I'm watching the stream. What I could do is I, I can just pop out the video on my Android device from a Twitch channel and it'll be a, a little window that I can move around while I have Discord open on my mobile device. Very, <laughs> excuse me, very, very handy and easy to use. Now, this Windows version is going to, um, according to this article, support things like YouTube clips, Skype. Hopefully they'll have some API features to where Twitch and other video sites like Netflix can take advantage of it so where you can have a smaller version of the video to do this now in today's day and age even back then i used to just create a new window with a video or pop out the video and then resize it drag it down and use features like that but with this feature i'll be able to just pop it out one little button and i won't have to you know pop out a new window resize the window or anything like that and cause any issue so this is something i'm actually looking forward to this is the first thing that I've read about in the Windows 10 Insider Preview build that I'm actually looking forward to. The game mode stuff, all that other stuff, I really don't care about. This, however, I will use in my day-to-day. -day. So let's hope that it's actually stable and easy to use. Check it out, guys, over on thegadget.com. They got the details about Windows 10, their latest preview build, getting a picture-in-picture -picture compact overlay mode to give you a quick pop-out of video while working on other things. And that concludes episode 294 of Tech Talk with Bona. I want to thank everybody for listening and watching today. Please follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Bona, where I post my musings about what's going on in my life and when I'm going live at twitch.tv slash Bona, excuse me, where I stream every day from 8 to 10 a.m. from 8 in the morning. That's when I start. Uh, 8 to 10. I got to change that. This is so hard to say. Guys, I stream in the morning and I stream at night. That's what I'm trying to say. I stream in the morning and I stream at night. I start at a certain time and I start at a certain time again. Those numbers are 8 to 10 a.m. and 8 to 10 p.m. It's so confusing. I need to hire a marketing guy or something. Anyway, that's when I go live. Uh, I'm also on SoundCloud.com slash TV. You can find the audio versions of this podcast and as well as my other podcast, uh, Game Chat Buona. Also on YouTube.com, uh, YouTube.com slash Buona, where you can find my video channel. <laughs> I was going to say video stream, video channel. Uh, where I'm going to be posting uh, this video as well as others. I'm looking at doing some reviews. I put up a message on Twitter. It kind of discouraged me a little bit. There's a new Logitech, um, a new Logitech camera that came out. I was like, hey guys, would anybody been interested if I reviewed this? And I got no replies. All reply I got was somebody saying like, you should probably do this, this, or this. It was a suggestion. I didn't get any yes or no's. Nobody, everybody just ignored it. I'm like, wow, <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody cares, but I, I maybe I'm, I want to get back and doing some product reviews if there's interest, because that's an investment I have to make. I have to buy that device and I have to review it and hope I get the return on investment. Nobody wants to watch it. I'm not going to get any kind of investment return. So, yeah, man, follow me on Twitter. Give me that. I need that feedback to let you uh, you guys can let me know what you want to see and what you don't want to see. 
right, dudes. Take care. Blah, blah. All right, dudes. Take on other. Okay. All right, dudes. Take care. Have a great week. I hope you all have a great weekend. And uh, I'll see you all on Tuesday for Game Chat with Buona on this same time, same station, same place. I'm rambling. Everybody have a great night. I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.